0: This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now here's Dr. Gloria.
1: Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Well, my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, is not with me today. Uh, she usually is on the phone from New York City, but, and I'm in uh, San Francisco, California, but she is in Newtown, Connecticut. Wow. Wow. People get around. She's up there doing an event with Alan Peterson and Glenn Lord, Denise Peterson, and I'm sure I'm going to miss some people up there uh, with the Tony Brown Foundation, I believe, and Compassionate Friends, and they're doing an event to help the folks in Newtown. So we've got a great show today uh, with Courtney Armstrong, and she's a licensed professional counselor and author of Transforming Traumatic Grief. In recovering from her own series of losses, she discovered healing occurs by sensing an ongoing enlightened connection with the deceased loved one. She will share with us today on the show uh, how to do some of these things. Well, Courtney, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Gloria. Thank you for having
1: me. I really like your book a lot. It's just uh, got some great thoughts and ideas on it. And You know, we don't all grieve alike, and uh, some of the things that you talk about in your book... That I recognize them, but some of them I d- didn't recognize. And I'm glad that you brought them to mind for me. And one of them that I thought was really interesting is the idea that some people have anxiety and panic attacks. Can you talk about that yeah. a little bit? Because I know uh, David Morrell, who did the Rambo series a few years ago, he was going to speak at a Compassionate Friends Conference, and he literally got a huge panic attack. And before that happened, I didn't realize that that happened. Yeah,
2: I well, you know, that's that's another way that I got um, specialized in working with grief and trauma. I Earlier in my career, I worked um, in a primary care physician's office, and he, he wanted me to work with people who had anxiety. He, and he had a lot of patients that would come wanting Xanax and different things to calm their nerves, and he really didn't want them to get hooked on meds, so he asked me to start working with them. And I can't tell you how many people that struggle with this, they had unresolved grief uh, and trauma, but particularly grief um, that they hadn't really found their way through yet. And sometimes it, it may not be grief over the death of a loved one. It could be a, another type of loss, but often it was the death of a loved one. And when, when you have a panic attack, it's basically that fight-or-flight survival response getting triggered So, when we have a a loss, especially someone that's close to us, it feels like a threat to our survival. So, therefore, that part of your brain that's concerned with survival is sending you lots of adrenaline in order to stop something from happening. The problem is that part of the brain confuses past and present. So, it doesn't realize there's nothing that you can physically do to stop what's happened, that it's already happened. But... Um that's a lot of what I help people integrate and deal with because uh, they feel crazy. But it's it's really just two parts of your mind that aren't communicating well together. You know, uh,
1: Courtney, I'm glad that you're talking about this. And, and what an enlightened doctor you had that, that brought you in to do this. That That's really, yeah. really yeah. fabulous. Yeah. But, you know, what I'm liking right now is that you're talking about the physical aspects of grief. I think sometimes people don't realize that there really is going on something on in their brain that is is you know it's difficult to control yes, at times.
2: Yes, yes, it is, and and so many times people. Well, a lot of times what I see is people are exhausted. They just feel physically drained, um, and it's really grief is is your body. It's a physiological process as well as an emotional process, and it's your body um, adjusting to something that seems like a threat to your well-being. So. Um, the other thing I, I like to educate people about is that grief will feel like it's coming in waves. And um, grief expert George Bonanno thinks it's because our body is... It's actually wired to know how to process a loss, but it, it has to take it in doses, so to speak. That it really... We have we thought grief comes in stages, but it really feels more like waves where you just have an intense wave of emotion or ruminating about things and then then you'll kind of feel like it shuts off for a little while and you could even feel numb or detached and people are worried when that happens um, sometimes they think they're avoiding or they're not doing something right but really your body physically can only handle dealing with things in doses rather than all at once.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes people think that we, you know, she's in grief, like it's a 24-hour thing. It's not. We can't, we can't do that.
2: <laughs> no, we can't do it. it. It does. It takes a lot of energy and um, and some of the other physical symptoms, uh, like with the anxiety, uh, I've seen a lot of people have nausea and gastrointestinal um, issues, and that is related to the fight or flight response actually, when that gets activated, it is meant to kind of clear out your system so you can run faster from something that right it used to be
1: from a tiger or whatever. Now
2: <laughs> exactly, yeah. and and so your body doesn't realize this isn't a physical thing you can escape. Um, and that's part of what I help people do is learn how to communicate
1: with that part of their brain. Now, how can I do that? Uh, I'm feeling that way. I'm feeling that anxiety. Do I have to take Valium? Do I, you know, is there some way that I can deal with it without the chemical?
2: Yes. The The thing that I teach clients first is how to get present. What, what that emotional part of your brain needs to realize is where it is and what's actually happening in the present moment. So, a lot of times, breathing is the easiest thing to do. Just slow down your breathing and even begin to count your breaths to get your mind focused on something neutral. But I'll even have people name objects in the room, like five things you can see, five things you can hear, five things you can touch. And it seems silly, but it really... That part of our brain thinks in a very concrete way, so it it doesn't get self-talk sometimes, like if you just try to talk to yourself... That part of our mind thinks like an animal. So I tell people it's like talking to your dog. You know, it only gets like simple, short commands. Uh (laughs) So you have to do things. And also,
1: but but let me say one thing about this for the audience out there these, these, doing this is a chemical change in your brain. I mean, I I just don't think people realize that naming those five things is a chemical change in the brain. And and changing your breathing causes a chemical change.
2: That's right. right. And if you practice, whether it's mindfulness meditation or contemplative prayer or whatever makes sense to you, it could even be yoga or walking mindfully, if you do something like that at least 20 minutes a day, Gloria, it changes the way your brain Looks on an MRI scan um, in just eight minutes. Isn't
1: that amazing? And and also, I remember gratitude. If you can say, practice gratitude eight minutes a day, it it changes your brain chemistry. I mean, it's just incredible. You can actually change your thoughts, can change, you know, the way you're behaving. Oh, well, we know that, exactly. obviously, but, but uh, I think with yeah, grief, I just yeah. don't think it occurs to It's so obvious, and with grief, it just doesn't occur to us, or to people yes. that work with us, uh, even professionals right. that try to help us. They don't, you know, let's, let's pop the pill and change the chemistry right. that way, which is a temporary fix. Yes, this is a, this is a lifetime is. fix.
2: Right, exactly, because as, as you know, it, there's layers to it. So, you know, there's always um, other things that people discover through their grief process. It's an ongoing thing. So you want to have coping skills that get you through
1: all of it
2: and not just something that's going to take away, you know, the intensity for a temporary
1: period of time. Absolutely. You know, with Heidi being up in Newtown, we were just talking about um, the fact that, um, you know, people are re-triggered by this event. Okay. You want to have a coping skill that you can, that you can use. So you're talking about, uh, I like that idea. Very concrete. Name five things in the room or 10 or whatever. Uh, yeah. And what are some more things?
2: Yeah. Just to pull yourself back. The the other thing that that I do is is work with. It does help me a lot, and I work with clients now to do this: is to think of your loved one as being okay. That something may have happened to their body, but that the essence of who they are still exists. And you know, regardless of your spiritual beliefs, there's ways that you can. Uh, I guess, work that concept into whatever makes sense for you. I mean, some people feel like they literally can feel their loved one's presence. For other people, that doesn't make sense, but they can agree that that they always have the essence of what they got from that person in their heart, and that can never be lost. So part of what, when you're orienting yourself to the present, is to think that the horrific event is not happening right now, um, and what is in existence is you and your connection with that person that's always in existence. And so to find ways to bring that awareness um, into your consciousness is what I work with people on. And a lot of times it's not not that complicated. You have to bring yourself into the feelings that you had when you were with that person. Because that, again, that emotional part of the brain is, is sensory oriented. So it works through feelings, through visual cues, through sounds. So visiting a place that you shared with that person and you know, getting all the sensory cues in that place will bring their memory to more of a um, sense of presence in your current time and space, listening to music that you enjoyed with that person, um, eating their favorite foods. I mean, it, it can be simple stuff but it really brings you back into a tangible sense of presence with them. And with traumatic loss, sometimes there's a lot of unresolved issues. So sometimes people aren't thinking of, you know, they're, they keep re- ruminating over things that weren't so pleasant in their relationship. Yeah, that, that's
1: so. one thing I want to ask you about is guilt and resentment. Because I know you talk about that. And that can really block block people being able to deal with grief, right?
2: Exactly. And, and that's, that's the, the other thing that creates a lot of physiological problems for people too, because that will just eat you up inside. So, um, part of what is helpful is to find some way to, to work through some of those feelings. Either you can do that through a conversation with the deceased or, um, you know, writing letters and things like that. These are things that people have heard about before. But a lot of what I've learned is to also retell the story from a different vantage point. So if you retell the story while remaining what I call emotionally present and describe the story of what happened, like you're an observer, instead of reliving it emotionally, it will help you to get a new Perspective on some things. It'll help you distance enough where you can maybe see some things that you missed before um, that were actually coming into play. There's never one cause for anything that happens, it's always a complex interaction of lots of things that were often beyond our control.
1: You know, Catherine uh, Shear uh, talks about in the work she does uh, about, I believe, she has people record their stories. And then play them back to themselves. So it would be interesting to record your story as an observer and play it back to yourself. And, you know, the more things you can do like that. For some folks out there, if they're really disturbed, you may have to have a third party there with you for this. Yes. I think so for
2: support. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A friend or a religious leader or, you know, a counselor or whatever. Uh, can be yeah. he- helpful to hold you. What if I've got a really traumatic story that I keep replaying, you know, like, uh, well, my son was uh, actually burned to death in an automobile accident and many years ago, and for a while I replayed that story. And uh, I wasn't yeah. really able to give it up. I don't, that story isn't ever the one that comes to mind for me, it's not of interest to me anymore. That's what I want to say. It is yeah, not yeah. of interest to me anymore. It used to be very interesting to me, but it is not anymore. Yes.
2: Yeah. Well, that, that's great, exactly, because um, what's happening with that is, as a, as a parent especially, what mind is doing, that deeper part of the mind we've been talking about, it's, it's playing that event as if it's still happening, and it's trying to get you to go do something. It's trying to get you to go stop it, you know, um, stop this, um, and so... Sometimes that's what's tripping people up. There's this inner conflict about feeling responsible, like I should have done something to stop that, or um, you know, replaying what could have been done differently so that it didn't happen. But that's just keeping you stuck in the loop. And so, part of just retelling the story and staying present is to signal to that deeper part of the mind that there's nothing that needs to be done. The event is finished and completed and what there is to be done now is for you to find a way to connect with your loved one from an enlightened place of consciousness and think of them as being able to connect with you from an enlightened place of consciousness. So if there was difficulty in the relationship, I like to think that now they could connect from you with a a more compassion, um, greater awareness
1: um, now, what would you do for me to get to the state where I could do that? Is it enough just to think of it, or do you have any little cues I can yeah. give myself or something?
2: Yeah. Well, well what I w- what I would do, what I do generally recommend doing with people first is is to envision yourself in a in a place and thinking of your loved one as as a light and you as light, and that something may have happened to your body, but your essence can go on. So, I, you know, I kind of use humor with, with people and say, um, you know, you, you have a foot, but you went, wouldn't introduce yourself as a foot. You are you have a body, but you're not your body. If you came to see me today and my thumb was missing, you wouldn't say nice to meet most of you today, you know. <laughs> <Okay>. you, <laughs> you get that I'm all here, even if my body or part of my body is not here. So let's think of that, and then let's think of that uh, maybe a place where you got in touch with feelings of peace, wisdom, and excitement, like a moment in time where you saw something that just evoked this sense of awe in you. And then from there, I can lead people to, to realize that when you got in touch with that, that was your essence. It's not like that place dropped those feelings inside of you. It's, it is you, and that place brings to your awareness it reflects that back to you. So let's think of that's who you are and your loved one has that same essence. Now you're able to experience them in a more pure form, like the best of them. Right. And um, and so I use some imagery um, that really helps people get connected to that. And when, when they can feel that, then it's easier for them to retell the story like we were talking about, retell the story of whether it's the how they died or it's a regrettable conversation, we go back through and you tell it while staying present. So it's, it's about not reliving it and getting into it emotionally. Um, it's not about telling it in an overly detached way either. It's where you're staying present into to the realization that as awful as this has been,
1: they're okay, and they want me to be okay, too. Oh, wow. I love that. Let's end on that note if they do want you to be okay, too. And, I, I you know, if you've been intrigued by what Courtney said, she's written a, this wonderful book, Transforming Traumatic Grief, Six Steps to Move from Grief to Peace After the Sudden or Violent Death of a Loved One. I would definitely suggest that you get this. She's going to give you some practical ways that you can deal with it and with what she's been saying. So thank you so much for being on the show, Courtney. This is just a great book.
2: Thank you. Well, thank you, Gloria, and thank you. What you all are doing with Open to Hope—it has helped so many people, and I refer people to your site all the time.
1: Ah, uh, well, thank you, and and tell people how they can get your book. And do you have a site? And
2: yeah, yeah. Um, they can get it at Amazon, iBooks, Barnes and Noble online, or you can go to my website at Courtney Armstrong LPC. That stands for Licensed Professional Counselor. So it's Courtney Armstrong dot com. And I have created a coupon for Open to Hope listeners. They get 15% off any the book or some audios that I have to go with it that are on the site. I have some guided imagery audios that my clients requested I make so they could do some of the things we've been talking
1: about at home. Oh, that's great, Courtney. Well, that's exciting, and, and thank you for all the work you're doing. It's just a, a great book, and your insight yeah. is is wonderful. Thank you so much.
2: Oh, yeah. I want to tell you, uh, the listeners, the
1: coupon code is OPEN TO HOPE. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> OPEN TO HOPE is a coupon code. Okay, thank you so much again for being on the show today, and listen again next week, and God bless.
0: You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio,